we want to start our career. We want to get on the stage. We want to dance. And because we're artists, the number one thing that we think about a lot of times is feeling and that enjoyment. Nobody wants to have that uncomfortable conversation of, okay, this is how much I need to charge. Whether you're a professional dancer or just started falling in love with ballet dance, welcome to the Ballet Dance Life podcast. Here, we are diving deep into all facets of ballet dance world that cannot be found in a workshop or an audience seat. Every week, you will find new, honest, thought-provoking, inspiring, and educational conversation with top leading professionals of our industry. I'm your host, Jana Komornitska, and I'm honored that you are part of our dance tribe. This episode is brought to you by the Yana Dance Club, online platform where you can get access to all my teaching materials at once. Hundreds of technique drills, multiple choreographies, themed intensives, full-length courses, everything you can think about. Whether 20 minutes or few hours for practice, you will find a program that will fit not only your schedule, but your mood as well. First seven days are free, so check it out at yanadanceclub.com, link in the show notes. Hello, dear dancers, happy new year, welcome to 2022, as well as welcome to the fifth season of Ballet Dance Live podcast. Whoa, four years already flew by now we are entering the fifth year of this project and i'm very thankful and grateful for you being with us listening tuning in every week for a new portion portion of dance inspiration and dance conversations and i'm very happy to start this year with our today's guest helen blondell and the topic that we discussed our guest is amazing dancing singer who has performed at myriads of venues in Central and South Florida, including Kababi Cafe, Cleopatra Lounge, Hukika Lounge, Taverna Opa, and many others. She also appeared on television programs such as Despierta America and Sabado Gigante, on Univision as a dancer, and is a recent member of the NBC 2018 award-winning Belly Motions Raketas Dance Company. Helen is a former ballet dance instructor of Florida International University, Recreation in Miami, and now she resides in Orlando. In our today's conversation, we talked everything about gigs life, how to charge appropriate fees and being confident with it, as well as explain it to clients. And sometimes even to say no and decline some gigs if people are trying to push you to lower your prices and you really don't feel like doing it. Also, we talked about the first gig, how to get booked, how to get prepared, how to enter the commercial dance industry, and in general, how even to decide and check if you are ready to start charging for your ballet dance shows. We also talked about social media including TikTok as a promotional tools for getting local gigs. And we also touched on 
TV project and music videos and how as a dancer you can get involved. I know that for many dancers it's a hot topic right now because this is the beginning of the year and maybe some of you planned that 2022 will be your push through year that you finally go for your dream of becoming a professional dancer and start an actual career not just doing it for hobbies so i'm absolutely sure this will be very helpful and useful and also this is one of my favorite topics ever you know that i did so many content and episodes and uh, talks uh, before about business side of ballet dance so i'm really happy to start this new year and i hope you will enjoy the fifth season starting from this practical portion of inspiration and push and by the way to start this year i'm also prepared something else for you and right in january right now we are hosting a dance challenge so if you want to approach not only business side of your dance activities but also training side of your dance activity i invite you to join our dance challenge hosted by the Yana Dance Club. Learn a very cool, very powerful combo to lyrical song Yay, very famous. It was on everyone's uh, minds for a long, long time. And now I'm sharing a dance combo and by learning it and posting on Instagram, you can get a gift of $50 gift card for my inner dancer that has a lot of cute things inspired by ballet dance. So not only actual benefit of training and learning something new, but also extra bonus of getting a chance to win a cool gift. This challenge runs till January 16th. On January 17th, I will be doing a gift raffle on my Instagram. So join us now. All details, including explained combination is available at yanadanceclub.com slash challenge you don't have to be a member of the club to participate this is open literally to everyone so also invite your dance friends to join and dance all together and all information will also be available via link included in the show notes looking forward to seeing your dance videos on instagram and Looking forward to hearing your feedback about our today's conversation with our amazing guest. Let's dive in. Thank you, Helen, for taking time and showing up at our podcast. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you about very different topics, but traditionally I start every interview uh, with a time travel back to the very, very first experience and interaction with, uh, with ballet dance. So do you remember when you got that idea, like maybe you saw some, I don't know, show or poster or someone told you and then you had this idea, ah, I would like to try to learn ballet dance. Yes, actually, it it happened twice. So the first time I was exposed to belly dance was uh, when I was really young. So maybe about 10 or 11, my parents uh, had an international package on the TV. And along with, so my, my mom's Brazilian, my father's from Panama. So along with the Latin American channels, we also had Arabic Arab channels and so one day I switched on to one of the Arab channels by mistake and I loved the music I fell in love with the music videos and 
the dancing. And I remember seeing Ruby and, and her famous music video where she's belly dancing in it. And I just loved it so much. But I didn't really decide to start belly dancing until high school. Um, I went to an art school. It was my freshman year of high school. And there was a recital. And I saw a group of belly dancers. And I just fell in love. It was immediate. Um, I saw the sparkles and the dancing and the music. And then I was just I, I just loved it so much. And I said, okay, I need to join this team. Um, and so after the show, I spoke to the director and I said I was interested. But before then, I didn't have any dance experience at all. So I auditioned, but unfortunately, I didn't make it that time. And that entire year, I was just working hard to learn belly dance and, and do as much as I could to be able to get into the team. And that team didn't exist anymore because the director moved to New York. So here I was with something new that I learned and the original reason that I wanted to do it, it, it didn't exist anymore. So, but I still ended up doing it. Um, eventually I joined another team when I was older and then of course pursued my career as a soloist and everything worked out. Wow. That's quite an inspiring story. And to hear about, you know, what caught my attention, like that spark of confidence, because I was about to ask you, oh, but did you have any dance background before that you, you saw someone's performing and that you took that decision, like, oh, I want to join them. And it was inspiring to hear like, oh, you without any previous dance experience were so inspired to do it. And even although you uh received like let's say you heard rejection at first because you didn't uh, pass the the audition you still kept going and eventually you achieved uh, not only you joined the team but you also start developing your own solo dance career so that's uh, uh quite inspiring but do you remember i'm really curious about this uh, do you remember that moment that you heard no because it was your first dance experience and right away it kind of started with no how did you approach because for many people it may be already you know turn off like oh okay it didn't work out <laughs> how was it for you what were your thoughts if you remember or your approach to it yeah so i remember i remember the exact moment actually so the way that it worked was that they had they didn't even tell people directly yes or no. They just had a list of the people who made it on the team. And I was so excited. I went to look at the list. And when I didn't see my name, it was a letdown. It, it definitely was a letdown. But at the same time, I wasn't surprised because, you know, I didn't have that experience. Um, the the immediate feeling of rejection is all it's never a nice feeling but the feeling that i got originally when i was listening to that music and when i saw those costumes it was just like something that i knew i couldn't give up i knew that this was not the beginning and end 
and that it was only the beginning. So if anything, it was just something to motivate me to be even better. I think that if I had made it onto the team with the very little experience I had, I might have not been motivated to polish myself. Uh, but the fact that I heard no with the dancing skills that I, the very little dancing skills that I already had, um, I wanted to make sure that my skills were so good that the next time they couldn't say no. So that's when I started taking, you know, belly belly dance classes with a with a professional teacher, and then also watching videos of dancers in Egypt and just refining my technique. So if anything, that rejection just led me to practice more. That's uh, interesting. And I also decided to ask that question just because as a uh, professional dancers and specifically solo dancers who kind of like manage uh, many things on our own because we not always work with like, you know, managers or directors or, I don't know, logistic organizers who assistants even like at least part of our dance journey, we typically do everything about ourselves. So we have a lot of communication with clients, audience, but specifically clients. And this rejection, it can come uh, again and again and again. And sometimes we hear rejection in a form like, oh, the, your prices are too high or like, oh, we chose, uh, we hired some other dancer. And it's all different forms of rejection, which can really uh, bump down dancers and really discourage someone. So I was curious to hear about your experience like in the very beginning of your journey, but I'm also curious to know for your already more like professional established career and it might have also changed throughout your journey, but how did you deal with that uh, recurring? Because it, it probably was recurring for all of us. It was recurring and still is recurring from time to time. This uh, rejection um, to our services, to our dance um, performances or in whichever form it can take. But how do you psychologically deal and did it change this time or uh, you kind of got the mindset on how to deal with it right from the beginning? Oh, yeah. So when I first started dancing professionally, like, you know, um, as an adult, so I started dancing professionally at the age of 18. And um, my mindset was so different back then, right? Um, And I think this is something that a lot of dancers struggle with, right? Because we want to start our career. We want to get on the stage. We want to dance, you know? And because we're artists, the number one thing that we think about a lot of times is feeling uh, and that enjoyment. Nobody wants to have that, um, that conversation, right? The uncomfortable conversation of, okay, this is how much I need to charge, <laughs> you know, because I spend, for example, hundreds if not thousands of dollars on a costume and you know all of the years of hard work that that's put into it so uh, when I was younger there was I I didn't have uh, the same confidence um, that 
I was able to gain over the years in saying in little things like saying no. Um, or let's say, you know, somebody said, well, I can't afford to pay you this, but I can afford to pay you a little bit less. Or sometimes clients will say things like, oh, well, you know, so-and-so dancer charges less. Uh, so I think I'm going to go with them. And, and it's this push and pull of you feeling like you, you have to lower yourself in order to get the gig. And then over the years, um, I was able to realize that this is just something, this is a, a way of undervaluing the dancer, right? I mean, everyone has a right to charge what they deserve, what they know they deserve. And if a, if a certain dancer has more experience uh, or they, you know, know that they spend a lot on the, their costume, they have every right to charge a, an amount that they're worth, you know? So um, it took a lot of time for me to gain this confidence and a lot of life experiences as well. Um, so I used to have a, a day job as a human resources coordinator. And I think that job makes like the skills that I learned in that job helped me tremendously in uh, running my business as a belly dancer, because in you're forced in that uncomfortable situation where you have to negotiate, even though you feel like, Oh my goodness, I don't want to, I, I don't want to upset anybody. You know, you don't want confrontation. Um, but yes, I was able to, really learn and um, the business side of things and realize that if someone truly values you, they're going to pay your price. And, and I often compare it to other things in life. Like, for example, if you need a procedure done at the doctor's, is the doctor going to give you a discount because you say that it's not in your budget or are they going to tell you, no, find another doctor? You know, it's the same thing. So um, my mindset going into it now is very different than the mindset going into that conversation uh, maybe, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. Um, but it, it's something that I know that a lot of us as dancers uh, face. It's a challenge. Um, and now I'm able to look at it at a more, uh, in a more technical way where I can say, listen, this is my price. I will be more than happy to, to work with you. But if you're not able to pay my rate, maybe in the future you will. And it's just about being direct and carrying yourself confidently and knowing what you're worth. Well, we keep, uh, we started already diving in one of my favorite topics ever. It's like business uh, stuff for belly dancers, specifically like local gigs and doing all that stuff on my own. So 
Uh, I know you also like one of you, it's one of your topics, like you have a book about that, you have a couple of uh, related like courses uh, about performing uh, as an entertainer. Uh, so obviously like we're not gonna repeat the book and I highly encourage people to go and get it and check it out but a couple of things I cannot help but ask your opinion and your take on this so one of the questions that many dancers who are on the edge like they started for a while they kind of feel they're comfortable maybe they, they kept being told like oh maybe you should start performing but they're still not confident completely so how a dancer can identify or decide if she or he is ready to start performing professionally and getting paid for it or not yet yes so I think this is something that the dancer must feel, right? Because when I decided to start belly dancing professionally, it was when I felt confident, not only in my technique as a dancer, but also knowing that I'm dancing for other people. I'm a person and I'm dancing for other people. And 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 I'm sharing this moment with the audience, you know? And I think that a lot of dancers, especially when they start out, they're just coming into a new role, right? Uh, they're transitioning from the role of student, which is really learning and getting everything um, absorbing all the information and growing uh, as a dancer. But then when you transition to being a performer, now there's an added aspect of sharing all of these feelings when you dance and, and really getting into the moment with the audience. So I think the way that a dancer knows that they're ready to perform professionally, they'll know when they're comfortable sharing that moment with the audience. But the thing is, it's always, you're always going to get butterflies when you do your first couple of gigs. Um, that's why my suggestion to new dancers or to new professional dancers is to always start at festivals, right? Or, or start with competition because then you get to, to literally transition from studying and, and doing, and, and really as dancers, we're always studying, right? Even 10, 20, 30 years down the line of our professional career, we're always studying. But when we transition over to being on stage and sharing that moment uh, with other dancers primarily, that can also help us to get into the role of dancing for everyone, not just dancers, but in a restaurant or in a, in a birthday party or a wedding, et cetera, et cetera. Right. It's like at least you need to have a Sundance experience also before you can charge for uh, sharing that dance experience. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Definitely. 
and 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 that's that's the thing is um when when you're a professional you need to make sure that you have that experience and that uh you're not uh how can i say you want to make sure that you have the skills and uh the professional etiquette to perform uh in a venue uh professionally because you are charging so it would kind of be like if again i'm comparing it to the corporate world but let's say you have a lawyer right and then you you have someone who passed the bar exam and then you also have someone in law school now a person in law school might very well have the knowledge but they didn't just yet pass the bar exam they just started studying um and they're they're fresh in their career it wouldn't be fair for that person to be going out there and you know charging for their services when you have other professionals who have been studying for a very long time and this is this is also something that i you know talk about with some of my students and also some people on social media sometimes people come to me on social media and they say oh well you know like i'm i don't feel comfortable charging for my services or i don't feel comfortable um charging as much as you do for my dance services um, because, you know, I don't think I'm, I'm at that level yet. And then I respond saying, if you don't think you're at the level to charge a decent amount, that means you're not ready to be performing. So you need to work on your skills as a dancer and work on that stage presence as well and you'll know but that that is something that's also i think is a is a big issue um with getting into their uh dancers getting into their careers professionally is knowing when they're ready and i think another side of it is what i mentioned with the whole like charging what you're worth when a dancer feels like they're not good enough to charge what they're worth, it's all about gaining that confidence, gaining that experience, and then going right back into the game when they're ready. Yeah, there are, uh, there are so many things that you also brought up here. Like, of course, there will be a price range on the market between mm-hmm. like dancers who are more established or more experienced and they will charge what some dancers will charge less but still there is that bar of like decent price and i guess uh, in every city even by talking to other dancers we can kind of find out okay what's the average price and uh, um Maybe for a brand new beginner dancer, it will be just there, or I don't know, like uh, a tiny, tiny bit, like less maybe, uh, but by tiny, I mean like not more, like let's say 10% or something like that. But if you're someone who really doesn't feel comfortable with that number and don't believe yourself that your skills are worth that price, then... uh, 
it's really better to maybe pause and postpone and work on your skills instead of charging like four times less than the average price because then it's not pricing it's uh undercutting <laughs> and it's only um damaging the market itself like not only other dances because the point is not just to get a gig uh the point also to build a career and to survive and uh, to live out of that eventually or have it as a part-time uh or side gig but uh the point is not in just saying like oh i got a gig even if you charge it and all like uh super like minimal price that won't even cover i don't know your expenses for gas or transportation to get there <laughs> like the point is actually to perform and to have it as a as a thing as a part of like part-time or a full-time job but at the same time the question of like where to get that experience because performing at festivals or competitions performing at a dance school, it's very different experience than putting together the whole show by yourself. It just, I kind of feel like it's two different beasts. Like, of course, dance technique, it's the same. It's our dance technique, where we showcase it on, on stage and competition or at the performance, I don't know, at someone's wedding or restaurant. But there are many different other skills that got into it. And... Um, I don't know if you have any ideas or suggestions maybe for dancers like okay where exactly they can kind of build up those skills that will prepare them to specifically perform at local gigs by themselves because one thing is to perform four minutes of competition another thing 20 minutes on your own uh, at the wedding party let's say so maybe you have those um, some suggestions or ideas or how you build that experience in your personal journey? <laughs> Definitely. So, yeah, uh, performing at festivals is, is super different, you know, because you have the aspect of the judges and they're, they're looking for something very specific. And, of course, it's usually one song that you've worked on for months and a choreography and everything. And... Um, you're dancing for, for other artists, for other dancers. So uh, the mood is going to be very different. Um, I, I think my, my biggest suggestion, and this is something that I did when I was transitioning to being a professional, um, is going to other events where there will be belly dancers. For example, I used to go to, if I knew a dancer was performing at, uh, a Mediterranean restaurant down the street, I would go to that restaurant and I would watch the belly dancer and I would see how she interacted with the people. I would see how the people interacted with her. Um, and I would also look at different things like, okay, um, how is she performing? Is she doing, you know, is she dancing a 10 minute show, a full 20 minute show? Like, little different things like that. And I would go and watch multiple dancers and see how the vibe was. Uh, because once you know what to expect, it's much less scary <laughs> when you're there in that situation. Um, another great thing, you know, a great resource uh, that we're uh, – that we have, uh, is the internet, you know, YouTube, um, 
Instagram, uh, I, I often look and see the interactions between dancers um, and the brides, as well as everybody else, uh, during weddings, because you can, like, even with different gigs, so there's going to be a different way you dance and interact with people at a wedding, as opposed to a restaurant. And weddings are not as accessible as restaurants for the public. So um, in, in those cases, for weddings and things like that, the internet is really great. Um, and over time, uh, as a beginner in the professional world, um, watching others' performances in in public, as well as on the internet, it was able to prepare me for what was to come. Of course, no gig is the same. Uh, every time you or no audience is the same. You can sometimes go dance at the same restaurant twice. And the crowd on the first day is going to be totally different from the crowd on the second day. So there's always going to be an aspect of not knowing what's coming next. But once you're able to learn how to adapt to it, it becomes much easier down the line. Well, I'm pretty sure also right now many dancers listening also inquire like, okay, I kind of like know what to expect. I worked on my skills and my technique. I think I'm a decent level, but like, what's now <laughs> and especially if you're talking about dancers who are on their own because i know many dancers have also support from maybe their teacher or their group that they joined and there are some opportunities start showing up for solo performances but there are also many dancers who kind of like left on their own with this topic and it's like okay i want to perform i feel i'm ready but how to get that very first gig or even like few first gigs where to start where to look uh, who to you know shout out like i'm ready here to perform hire me <laughs> um, yeah yeah so there that was actually a, a th an issue that I uh, went through myself when I was first starting out. There was a, I actually wanted to start like even sooner, but it was really hard because I was going to restaurants and saying, Hey guys, I'm a belly dancer. Like hire me. But it was so hard to get my foot in the door because everybody already had the established dancers that they wanted to work with and uh, get, getting your foot in the door professionally can be difficult, especially when you live in a big city. So, um, and then you also have to be careful because there are some restaurants that will see a, a, a dancer with the hopes of getting a gig and they'll say things like, Oh, um, yeah, sure. You can audition for us. Uh, this is going to be an audition, so we're not paying, but you can keep your tips. And this is honestly just a way for the restaurant to get free entertainment. Um, so that's something that a, a, a dancer who's just starting out should be aware of. 
Now, some great ways to get work as a dancer, uh, if you're just starting out, um, there are there are websites that specifically cater to freelance performers. And this website helped me a lot, especially so when I was in Miami, I was dancing professionally. Um, but I had, so I was dancing with Belly Motions, um, and uh, that was an agency. So an agency is another great way. But if you don't have an agency or you're not, or you don't have access to an agency, the next best thing is to do uh, these online uh, websites such as Thumbtack, um, Gig Masters. There's another one. It, it used to be Gig Salad. I don't know if it's still Gig Salad, <laughs> but um, these are all websites that you can sign up for for free. Um, and then if you want to increase your radius, you pay a very small amount per month, but it's worth it because you can put yourself on that website, say you can make your, your bio, put your pictures, upload your videos. Um, and then when people need a belly dancer, you're going to show up on the search bar and they reach out to you accordingly. You can negotiate price. You're protected when you're booked through these uh, websites because they're gonna, they have to pay the amount to book you. So um, that's a great way to get started, of course. Um, I would say the negative aspects of it is that the website does take a percentage um, of whatever you're getting paid. And then also you have to pay for the membership but this is a website that I used for a very short time when I moved to Orlando because I had a completely new, I, I was unknown. <laughs> so I, I had to start somewhere and this is a great place to start if you're a beginner uh, in the professional world. Now, once you get your, your clients, or this is my suggestion, uh, once you get your clients and you have more content and you're posting it on social media, that's very important, you're going to get more people in your city and outside of your city that see what you're, you're doing. And once you have that experience and also clients that have worked with you, those clients are going to go tell other people. And those other people are going to contact you and then slowly but surely you're not even going to need a website like uh, like Gig Masters or Gig Salad because you're doing everything independently. Uh, it is a slow cooker in my experience, but these type of websites also, you know, if you do have access to an agency all of those things uh, can help someone who's starting out. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. My story was exactly like this when I moved to Canada and wanted to start solo performance. I registered actually on Geek Salad, the one you mentioned, mm -hmm. and even before I finished my own website, and it was a game changer. 
uh, I kept Geek Salad even when my website was already finished, and uh, I, my my own website was my kind of like a piece of like I was really proud of it because it was really converting clients a lot and getting traction. But I still kept Geek Salad as a free account. I remember I was putting a membership, paid membership, but for a very short period of time, and then I switched to a free account. And uh, specifically, even through those website collecting reviews, that was a game changer. I was sending link to leave me a review, even to clients who booked me outside of Geek Salad, because on the Geek Salad or any uh, website like this, uh, they showed as a verified reviews or People know, like, oh, it's not you just typed, like, you know, like, whichever uh, compliment you wanted to say to yourself and put it on your website, and who knows if it was a real person leaving you. But if you show that uh, page with a, a lot of reviews, people get idea, like, oh, it's real people who left your reviews. Like, okay, maybe if it's one or two, they will think, oh, it's your friends, you, you ask them. But if this time you got, like, 10, 15, 20, 100, then it's, like, not questionable, and it's a great a tool to, in so many negotiations, uh, and uh, for many people and clients, it can be even decision um, points like, oh, okay, I trust that this will be good because so many people experienced it and afterwards they decided to live like, well, in this case, I'm talking, of course, if your skills are good and you, you receive positive feedback and positive reviews. But this kind of website's really cool. And uh, also, I have been thinking, and um, from what you said, I just want to add, since we start talking, and I know many dancers will have like this uh, uh, curiosity on how to start, I just want also to add regarding restaurants. I personally think it's one of the best ways to start, and specifically restaurants who do have established ballet dance shows because of two reasons. First, there is already a show, there is audience, there is interest from the restaurant, and you can see how the show goes on so you can prepare your expectations. Secondly, they already have usually um, set up uh, prices, so you don't need to guess, oh, how much to ask or charge. You kind of like, it's already your decision to enter or not. It's one of the points for market research because you will understand that, oh, the restaurant prices are the lowest prices that you can get like it's way different from like uh, a gig at wedding or something like that but what you said really applies a lot it's not like a dancer a new dancer you should go and try to get the job or still but one tip that i always suggest on that like don't go and say like oh hire me go introduce yourself say you're a belly dancer say that you know that you this restaurant or whoever you talk to, the restaurant manager, uh, owner, or maybe the lead dancer who kind of like um, responsible for managing shows, but just introduce yourself, tell that you're aware that they have established dancers, established shows, and just suggest them like, okay, here's my contacts. If you ever need an additional dancer or you need a sub or substitute for your dancer, I will be very happy to collaborate with you. So it's not like you you basically showing this respect that you're not trying to take other dancers' job, but at the same time you establishing this contact. And once in a while, like once and sometimes takes time. Sometimes they will never call you, but sometimes in like half a year or so, you can also send a reminder or anything like that. Like oh, I'm still here. But at the same time, it's one way to respectfully 
enter the restaurant gig uh, gig world. Also, on this note, I'm really curious to know, did you ever have experience of being a regular dancer or one of the dancers at a restaurant and experiencing someone trying to take your job away? <laughs> oh, yes. yes. Um, I, I, I have. Um, and at times it was successful for them. Um, but it was never like I never had and I've heard stories of some other dancers like they would be dancing and another dancer would get up and like steal the show. Thankfully, I've never had that happen. But it has happened where um, a restaurant was paying me a certain price and then another dancer went to the restaurant owner and offered like maybe $20 less. And then they took over. Um, and it's an, it's an unfortunate situation that I think happens in every community. So I think it happens. Yeah, it happens in belly dance. Um, I, I know that it happens with every artistic discipline because most of the time we're, we're working freelance. It's tough, right? Because, when these things happen, it's discouraging and it makes us not want to continue or it might make us upset and, and want to act on that. But I, I do believe that integrity is the number one thing that any dancer can have. And I really like what you mentioned about approaching like when you want to dance at a restaurant, approaching the dancer uh, and saying, hey, look, if you ever need someone to fill in, um, here's my information, like reach out to me. I think that's an amazing way to enter uh, the industry because now other dancers know that you're respectful they know they can rely on you because we're all human. We're all going to have days where we're sick and we can't dance. And it's nice to know that there are other dancers out there who really just want to be respectful and help out rather than, you know, be malicious and, and steal. You know, that's never good. Um, but yeah, I really, I really like um, that, that way of, you know, speaking directly to the house dancer and not going above anyone's head. Um, that, that means a lot in the long run. Hmm. I think uh, uh, there is a misunderstanding and mis like sort of confusion in dancers' mindset because we sometimes forget, like, yes, we are competing in our dance services, but as a community, we are still collaborating with each other <laughs> and there is space for everyone. Yeah. It's, it's just like... Uh, uh there is no point in trying to think like uh, oh i need to get that spot because the, it's limited and there is not enough for everyone like no there is enough for everything for everyone at the same time right now we are really in strange times for performers and uh i didn't experience this time as a performer myself like last uh, let's say 18 months i guess so that's the almost almost two years so uh, more or less but uh, let's say 18 months 
um, because I basically stopped active performing just half a year before that and switched my, my focus. Uh, but you were still performing. You went through very, um, let's say, hectic times right now. In your opinion, for someone who is new to the world of professional dancing, is it good time to start trying to build professional career? Yeah, I think it's I think it's a good time and it's also a really it's a great test of how much you're willing to work. And what I mean by that is because of the pandemic and a lot of people lost their jobs, a lot of people are getting their jobs back, but of course the the financial climate is different. Um, people are not making as much money. Uh, people are in a little more debt than usual. Um, some people are, are still, you know, taking their precautions and they don't want to have uh, social gatherings still. Restaurants are budgeting more carefully and they're not hiring as many dancers or they're not hiring dancers weekly. So there is an opportunity uh, but it, it, it is, uh, different. The, the way the opportunity looks now, as opposed to back in, let's say 2016 is very different. Um, I think social media is a great way, uh, to get seen because the thing is people, want to hire dancers who are seen, who they know their skills and um, all of that. So um, social media is going to help a lot. Now, in, in my experience, especially lately, I've had a lot of people see me and find me through social media, either through Instagram or TikTok or YouTube and contact me and say, Hey, I saw your videos online. I would like to book you for so-and-so event. So social media is very powerful. Now, if it's somebody who has no experience uh, performing in gigs at all, um, but they're ready and they're charging the right amount and everything like that. I think they might need to be very, very, um, pay very close attention to uh, websites such as Gig Salad um, and uh, other websites. And also, um, you know, if they can get in through an agency, that would help as well. Um, because then the moment they get that first gig, make sure you have somebody to film you. And, and the reason why is because you, the gigs aren't happening as frequently for any of us because of what's happening right now. But there still is, there still are people having events. Um, it's just a matter of getting that first event. And once you get it, film it and post it on social media everywhere you can, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, um, and of course, adding that to your website, adding that to your gig salad, and people are going to see that. 
and, and things will start rolling after that. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Just make also sure that you ask permission of event organizer <laughs> to bring someone to oh, do photos. Sure. Yeah, it's something that it's even handy to put in the contract that if you're bringing your photographer, this like uh, material will be used uh, like on website or social media, like not, no need to go super specific, but in general outline. So then the person um, agrees for you, like gives you permission yeah. to for you to bring photographer or a videographer, someone who will take photos or videos. Uh, they are also aware where where it will be used afterwards. <laughs> or they get a surprise oh, yes. of seeing themselves on Facebook or I don't know TikTok somewhere. <laughs> oh no! Yes, that's definitely very important to get permission. <laughs> Speaking of social uh, media, you are very. Uh, active on social media and you're active like not only as a dancer but also as your singing activities but uh, for both of them you're very involved on uh, Instagram on TikTok and specifically let's first talk about uh, Instagram uh, there are many ups and downs on Instagram and I don't know if you experience the same or not but recently there was a huge drop down in reach uh, reach out to people uh, and for many dancers it may be discouraging but because what they're paying attention is like number of followers or number of likes uh, but in your opinion what would be um, the main uh, what kind of content they need to really share on uh, Instagram if they want to promote their solo performances yes so um I believe that the first and foremost, the number one thing that people need to post if, or that dancers specifically need to post, uh, to gain reach as much as they can, at least, uh, because even, even with me, I, I've, I haven't gained followers in so long because of what's happening with Instagram, but what's helped me is being authentic, making sure that your viewers see you enjoying yourself. Uh, a lot of times, sometimes we can get so caught up in making sure, oh my gosh, you know, yes, technique is very important. Uh, but it's not just that. Are we smiling? Are we interpreting the music the way that it should be interpreted? Are we showing our audience how much of a good time we're having? That's all very important. And that can be seen through, through our videos. There have been times that I've gone live on Instagram or on another social media platform. And I'm thinking I'm just, you know, going live. And then I have people messaging me saying, Helen, are you okay? Something seems off. So people can really read how you're feeling through social media. Um, I also think after that, um, it's important to post videos of everything, videos of your practice, videos of you dancing, uh, just having a good time wherever you are. Um, also, whenever you can, videos of your actual events. Uh, this is important. People want to see how 
you're interacting with the audience. And people also, a big part of it is they want to see your costumes. They want to see, you know, the sparkle and the, and the, the fabulousness. So, yes, there are times, and in my experience, there are times where I'm just posting a video of me, you know, uh, I just came back from the store. I'm really feeling this song. Let me put my phone in front of me and show myself dancing, you know, in regular clothes. And other times I'll post videos of me in an actual performance. Uh, it's nice to mix it up and add that dynamic. Uh, that's what, in my experience, I feel people come back to because it's always something different. And, and people nowadays, especially, they want to see a well-rounded artist. They don't just want to see someone always in practice and they don't just want to see someone always performing. They want to see a little bit of both. Um, and, and, and this is also something that I learned in my singing career where it's like, you don't just want to know one genre, you want to know multiple. So that's my suggestion for people who want to uh, get ahead, get ahead with social media, especially as it relates to dance. Um, and side note, never get discouraged if your posts aren't doing well uh, or getting numbers. Because in my experience, getting the numbers or getting the followers and the likes, that isn't what makes a post successful or not. What matters is that your current followers are enjoying your content. Even if you get one, two, three comments on a video, if those three comments are organic and the, and the person and, or the, the three people commenting liked the video and they enjoyed it and gained something from it, that's what makes a post successful. Mm, so true. And also, it's definitely not about numbers or neither likes nor followers, because especially when we are talking about a career at local gigs, it doesn't really matter how many followers you have on Instagram. What if none of those followers actually live in the city where you operate in? So it doesn't really matter. Nobody will hire you. <laughs> exactly. And uh, just on this note, I also think for dancers, one main mistake that I see specifically with social media and like Instagram, but even Facebook too, but they do not make it clear which exact city we're performing. Like if your goal is to be hired in your city, make it super clear on Instagram which city you are in <laughs> so people can don't need to guess. They actually can see it and realize like, ah, oh, I'm living in the same city. I can hire you. <laughs> Definitely. Yes, that's, that's extremely important. Um, and also like any, so it, like the way I have it set up is I put my city in the bio because sometimes people like when you post make your post and you put your location on sometimes people don't 
I guess they're, they're not really looking at that sometimes. Sometimes they do, but they'll click on your profile. And when they see in big letters, for example, me, Orlando, Florida, Miami, Florida, when they see that, it's like, okay, this person is in this place. So I can or can't hire them. Um, but also hashtags, like use the hashtags of, Miami belly dancer or New York belly dancer or wherever you're from. These are all things that can help you get the post to the right people. Exactly. <laughs> it's funny, like I was doing exactly the same things too. And yes, exactly in the bio. Like, I think some dancers think that clients have to uh, go on a hunt on trying to find information. Like, no, don't hide it from them. Like put as obvious as possible in as many places as possible because people have tendency not to pay attention to the places that you think they will be paying attention. So make it really super clear. Now, speaking of TikTok, because this is something that I've never used to promote my dance shows. And I don't know you for you, like, do you use it more as, like, for the singing, uh, as a singing platform? Or do you also incorporate it and try to get some gigs through TikTok? Yeah, so for TikTok, um, I... I, now I start posting more of my gigs on TikTok, but um, originally when I started, it was mainly to promote my music and also share just some funny things that I've gone through in my career as a belly dancer. Like, for example, there are like those little trends of on TikTok, like things, things, certain people say, like things Florida people say, things, you know, and so... I like changed it to match like my career as a belly dancer. Like for example, things clients say, things uh, people say, like for example, when you're on a date and maybe sometimes the person you're on a date with doesn't understand the concept of belly dance. So you have to teach them. And, and I do it in a funny way that gets people to realize like, okay, these are things that belly dancers are tired of hearing. Um, so I, I used to use it as kind of like a way like to do skits and like comedy and kind of mix in the real life scenarios that we as dancers go through with humor. Um, but now I do that plus I talk about you know, performing and I post my performances on there. Um, originally, I wasn't really looking uh, to, to really get gigs off TikTok because um, most of my followers, a lot of them come from all over. So different places in the U.S. and the world. Uh, but I have had some people recently contact me saying, oh, I want to hire you. Uh, we, well, we would love to book you. And then I share my website and I share my prices. So I realized that TikTok is also a great way to get seen and possibly have people reach out to you. Uh, it's just another way uh, because a lot of people now uh, are 
on TikTok more than they're on Instagram. So it, it doesn't hurt to go on TikTok as well and do what you're doing on Instagram and put it on TikTok because even more people will see it. Mm. Yeah, that's something I cannot make myself go into. Like I have a TikTok account and I sometimes like get into it and start posting some videos. Uh, then I disappear, then come back. I almost feel like I'm too old for TikTok. <laughs> It's something, I don't know, it just feels <laughs> different. I'm so like, I became an Instagram person so much, although I also was resisting Instagram in the beginning of its existence for quite a long time. And then I so much got used to it that I almost feel like, oh, I want to transform Instagram experience and bring it on TikTok. But it's a different platform. It's like different things. It, it doesn't work exactly the same. So it's just interesting to hear experience, your experience. And it's interesting to hear that now, like you start getting like some gigs, even through TikTok, because for me, it was the most like uh, mystery when it started and I like opened it and, and looked and I still wasn't that mindset like, okay, but like, how to kind of forward people like what's next like okay tiktok funny videos but what's of use from also business point of view uh there and now it's cool to see that uh it's actually possible it's actually one of the tools so i was i was just gonna add um because i totally understand your um how how you feel with with tiktok because it it seems like at first like it's something just for for kids and teenagers But there is a whole section of TikTok for for everybody. And and really all it takes is one video to go viral for people to see your stuff. So the algorithm is it's different from Instagram and the like it pushes out things to people in your area first. So let's say you make a post. It may not get a lot of views. You make another post, doesn't get a lot of views. Then the third post you make, it will get a lot of views. And those views are likely to first come from your city because the way that the algorithm works. So um, to anybody that wants to do TikTok and who's a dancer and they may feel discouraged at first, keep on doing it um, because it really only takes one video to, to get to the right people to see it. Um, but yeah, that was just my two cents about, about TikTok and feeling discouraged and all of that. Ah, that's so true. I didn't think about that because that's a great tool for any kind of like services or businesses. And in this case, we are talking about dancers who want to be hired locally to reach out to local audience. This is something that I definitely experience right now. Like all my content is in English, always have been uh, since I started like doing social media. Uh, but currently I am in Ukraine. So every time I'm trying to post something, especially on TikTok, it goes to Russian speaking audience. And then it's like the way it, it's, it's, it's not clicking together because my content is in English, but for dancers who are aiming for local gigs, it's a real cool advantage. So that's really cool that you highlighted it. I didn't think about from this perspective. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another uh, interesting thing that you had in your portfolio was uh, TV presence. And uh, you have been featured in different productions and different shows. 
Um, how do you feel like did it contribute to your career as a uh, local like performer, entertainer? Or was it something just simply separate and didn't really have any direct influence on it? Yeah, so when so I started singing um very early in my life, so maybe at like eight years old. And I started performing professionally as a singer and getting paid for it when I was a kid. So even before I was uh, 13. So over the years, I had that experience of, you know, eventually singing backup for uh, very well-known artists, oftentimes celebrities. Um, And when I went into belly dancing later on, it was kind of interesting because my first televised gig dancing was uh, when I was dancing with a troupe in Miami. I was dancing with um, Divas of Dance um, and they had that opportunity to perform um, for the, for Sabado Gigante on TV. So I was like, yes, of course I'll do it. (laughs) And it was so much fun. Um, the experience with dancing on TV as opposed to singing on TV is very similar, but also very different. Um, because when you're dancing, you know, it's really, it's, it's, it's something where you don't really think about the cameras, you know, you're, you're in movement. So, um, Yes, and that that was a very great experience. And then also the music videos. I think my career in singing as it relates to TV and and press and all of that, it kind of helped me um, be prepared for doing other things on TV. For example, doing the Sabado Gigante and then also being in music videos. How would you suggest for dancers who may not have connections or, you know, like some experience from other uh, field or activity related to TV, what may you suggest them? How can they get their, like, let's say, first TV gig? What are possible options or ways or paths to, to get on TV as a ballet dancer? Absolutely. So... The the number one thing that I would say, and this is how I was able to um, get into music videos and that sort of thing, was agencies. And it's it's not easy because sometimes you know you'll get a lot of no's because you know th- there's several several people auditioning for the same role, but just you don't want to give up. For example, I was in. I was in a music video for Fat Joe and also uh, the Basilos, a Colombian band. Um, And thinking about the multiple music videos that I've auditioned for, again, it kind of ties back to what we were speaking about in the beginning is that thing of rejection, right? So the way that I was able to get into music videos and and televised events also as a singer as well as a dancer was never giving up so 
first you want to look for all the agencies you can find. Um, so for example, in Orlando, there's several in Miami. I know there's some as well, New York, Atlanta, California. Um, these are all great places, great, great places to find an agency and literally just Google music videos, uh, agency. That's what I did. And there's several, you want to email all of them. Um, and you also want to make sure that you're on their mailing list. So they'll send you emails saying, Oh, we're looking for, uh, a dancer. We're looking for, you know, such and such person with this as much experience. And let's say that it says they're looking for a salsa dancer, for example. And this is what I've done before. Say, oh, well, I'm not a salsa dancer, but I'm a belly dancer. Um, here's my information. And if I'm what you're looking for, you can message me. Because sometimes there's that little door that can open. You know, sometimes they're not specifically looking for just a salsa dancer, but maybe they're just looking for someone to add some spice to their video or an art. If we're talking about a backup dancer, you know, at, at the end of the day, if you can do the choreography, you can do the choreography. So it's all about reaching out to as many people as you can. And even better if you can, sign with an agency such as I know in Orlando, we have casting Orlando. So um, that's my advice. These are, the, these are the things that I've done to get into uh, music videos, specifically as a dancer, because as a singer, I was doing it since so young. So it was the transition was easier, but as a dancer, it's important to send your content and also use social media because you never know which artist is using social media as well. Um, there can be an artist that's going to be using Instagram and then they see you pop up and you're a belly dancer. They're going to say, Hmm, I like this. This looks awesome. This is a cool dance. Then they're going to click on your page. They're going to see, let's say they're in Atlanta and, and you're in Jacksonville. That's not too far. Um, oh, they'll, they'll DM you. Hey, I see you're not too far from me. I, I'm shooting a music video soon. Let's keep in touch. Boom. You have a contact. You have a professional contact. And then let's say you work with this artist. That artist is going to tell other artists about you. And then those other artists, might reach out to you as well. So that side of the industry is very similar to uh, the other side, which is the, like the clients that we deal with within our city. It's very similar. It's all about just getting that one gig, that one music video or that one gig dancing backup for somebody on TV and then boom, you have a network. Yeah, network is uh, is such a game changer <laughs> for I think for <laughs> every activity. But uh, thank you for sharing that. That was a really 
are interesting and very inspiring and I think it's really a perfect time right now as we are also entering 2022 and uh, so many dancers have plans and goals and wishes and uh, many of them may be thinking about to starting or maybe pushing their local dance activities to the next level or some of them may dream about like or putting as a goal like I want to get a TV gig so thank you so much for sharing all this experience uh, uh, from your personal journey about this and I'm pretty sure many dancers got super inspired and super motivated and even like hearing like oh all this is uh, possible all this is reachable we're not talking about you know like uh, drive to the moon and get a star like we are talking about very very realistic and simple things that can uh one step at a time but can lead you to whichever place you want to have in your dance career and dance activity and uh, uh as we're coming closer to summing up our today's interview i would like also to ask personally about you so what are your dreams uh, aspirations uh, or goals for this 2022 personally for you for for your dance activities or your dance goals and uh, further dance journey yes so you know, my my number one goal for this for this upcoming year, um, hopefully, you know, I know things are are going a little bit, you know, interesting to say the least with uh, what the pandemic. But I really wish to travel. I, I really wish to travel and and see the world. You know, I've always wanted. To um, I've I've traveled quite a bit, but I still want to see, you know, Europe and and uh, the Middle East and Asia and Africa. I wish to see the different cultures and immerse myself in in something new, because I think as an artist, uh, we're always we're like sponges. There's always an opportunity for us to grow. Um, so it doesn't matter if we've been performing for 10, 20, 30 years, we still have so much more to learn. And I believe that travel is essential to be more well-rounded as an artist, uh, to really immerse ourselves in, in what we're doing uh, in the art. So I, I do wish to travel uh, in 2022 if, uh, if everything happening in our world allows. Um, and, you know, uh, hopefully to teach uh, internationally. That's, that's a big goal of mine um, is to learn internationally as well as teach internationally and, and grow as an artist. Um, I think that sharing your art um, and sharing your knowledge with other dancers is very important because we are all a community. And um, the number one thing is to be able to share and, and be a big dance family. So that's, that's my number one goal for 2022. Mm. 
Well, I sincerely wish all your dreams uh, and goals come true and bring you joy and happiness and all satisfaction that we desire from setting up every new goal and also bring something new and widen uh, that artistic uh, um, joy and artistic uh, view inside us. As you were mentioning, like travel is definitely one of the best ways to enrich us with something you can't agree more on that and uh, before i ask you our final question of the podcast i would like to thank you one more time to showing up taking time and showing up today and sharing all your experience so generously with uh, our listeners and it was really interesting and inspiring conversation and where can uh, our listeners uh, find more about your activities i also know that you have some resources specifically about uh, business side of belly dance so if you can share more about that and where people can find you that would be really awesome for sure definitely so my book uh belly dance business 101 is available on all all uh book platforms specifically on amazon it's available um you can also find it on barnes and noble and books a million um and that book is talking about the business aspects of belly dance, very similar to a lot of things that we, we spoke about today um, in, in great detail. And then I also have uh, my intro to belly dance course, uh, which is fully online and uh, that can be found uh, on my website. It can also be found in the link in my Instagram uh, and my Instagram is uh, Helen Singer Dancer, all one word. And then you can also follow me on TikTok. My TikTok name is Helen Singer Dancer as well. Um, and then I'm also on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, and you can find me uh, with my name, Helen Blondell. I definitely will include all links in the show notes so all listeners you know you can easily find information and connect with our guests right from there in one click from show notes and uh, I would love to ask our traditional final question which I ask every single guest regardless of what we talked during the interview and um, are you ready <laughs> for it? <laughs> Uh-huh, yes. <laughs> I don't know if you know or not, or if you heard or prepared maybe the answer, but the question sounds like this. What makes you fall in love with belly dance again and again so you keep doing it for so many years? The way that the music makes me feel. Every time I hear the melody and the beat and the, overall the music and that connection that my body and soul and mind makes with the music, it's surreal. It's crazy because it feels like an out-of-body experience, but I'm in my body. <laughs> so that's the number one thing that makes me fall in love with belly dance again and again is the way it makes me feel and the joy that I get doing it. And of course, when you're feeling joy as a performer and you're feeling good, the audience 
is going to feel good as well because you're sharing that energy. And that's it for today, guys. But before you go away, don't forget to screenshot this episode and share it with your friends. And if you post it on social media, please tag me and our guest because we love seeing who is listening to the podcast. Thanks for being with us and I'll see you next week. Same time, same place.